get started. Well, good evening, everybody. Here we are, Sunday night again. Sunday night local with Family Church Waterlooville. You're most welcome. Great to see you, if only I could. <laughs> Won't it be great when we can get back and regather? But in the meantime, praise God for technology and for YouTube and for Zoom and for the likes of Dan and Smudge and all these techno whizzies who, who make it all happen for us. Bless you guys. Thank you. So we'll just give everybody a couple of minutes just to, um, just to get online and then we'll kick off. Um, Sandy will give me the thumbs up when we're actually online and I have the thumbs up. We're online. Good stuff. So, hi everybody. Uh, I hope you've had a good day. Uh, wasn't this word, the word this morning brilliant with those, those testimonies? And of course my wife was on there, so, you know, it was a little bit better than normal. But uh, the diversity of it was fantastic, wasn't it, you know? Um, isn't it amazing how God changes lives? And he's, and he's all people, all sorts of people, all, all walks of life, every age. Oh, come on, man. God is amazing. He is so amazing. So, and having said that, I think this fits in really nice with the word we've got tonight. So I'm going to just open and pray, and then we're going to dive right into it. Okay, so, so let's go. Let's, let's open and pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for this honor to share your word, Father God. I thank you for the word that you've laid upon my heart. I pray, Lord, that you anoint me now to deliver it, to articulate myself clearly and slowly, Father God, and uh, thank you that it is your word. It will not return void. It will accomplish that for which you have sent it for. So I just thank you that, that Father, tonight we co-labor and sow good seed on your behalf. And, and just thank you for that honor. Thank you for the honor of sharing your word, the honor of receiving your word. In Jesus' name, let your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, it, is a, it really is an honor to be with you tonight. And um, tonight we're going to continue on the series of Building the House. And the title for tonight is, is we officially called it, Unless the Lord Builds the House. But really, we could have a subtitle of that called uh, Doing it God's Way. Doing it God's Way, because that's really what it is all about. And so we're just going to kick off with, there's, there's a couple of scriptures that I'd like to read. Um, and um, I'm really hopeful that tonight we'll be able to get into a bit of meat without getting too intense. So, so pray for me, okay? So, um, so we're going to kick off with Hebrews chapter 3 and verses 4 to 6. And it says, For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, whose house you are, child of God, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm and to the end. Isn't that a fantastic scripture? Whose house we are, unless the Lord builds the house, it's talking about us. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 5, that we are those living stones being built together as, as a holy dwelling place of the Lord. We are living stones. We are the house that God is building. And tonight we're looking at this, this aspect that, that is the Lord that builds the house. You know, one thing we want to do is finish well. 
It's not how we start, it's how we finish. You've heard it before, but it's so true. It is so true, it'll never, it'll never cease to be true. It's how we finish that matters. And how we build is going to determine how we finish. So we need to make sure that we are building with the Lord, that we are following His ways and His plans and purposes. Now, in Acts chapter 5, we won't go there, but I encourage you to go and read it in your own time. Fantastic, most powerful um, passage of Scripture. Yeah, we see in Acts chapter 5, we see Peter and the disciples and God is performing incredible miracles through them. The shadow of Peter falls on people and they are healed. And the, 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 the religious uh, Jews of the time are pulling their hair out. They don't know how to stop these guys. And they, and they arrest them and they pull them in front of the, 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 the Sanhedrin to, to put them on trial. And they throw them in jail. And an angel comes and delivers them and says, go back into the temple and go and preach again. So the next day, there they are, preaching again and get arrested again. And back up in front of the Sanhedrin. And these guys are, are at their wit's end. How do they stop them? And then there's this wise man, his name is Gamaliel. Now, it turns out, we find out later, that actually he was Paul's, uh, well, at that time, Saul's mentor. He was the man that, that, that mentored Saul in, in, in the law and, in, and in, the, in the old covenant. And this man has some wisdom to him, though. And he stands up and he says, listen, brothers, he says, and I'm just paraphrasing here. He says, listen, brothers, if what these guys are doing is of man, don't waste your time trying to stop it. It won't go anywhere. It'll die. But if it's of God, you won't be able to stop it. Indeed, you'll find yourself fighting against God. Psalm 127 verse 1. You know that as well. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. The watchman guards the city in vain unless the Lord guards the city. So we want God to be building our house. This, the, what do we find out there? That we are his house. We are the house he's building. So we want God to be building our house and, and guarding our lives. We want to be giving everything to him. Now, in Colossians 1.13, and like I said, I've got a few scriptures to get going with you, and hopefully we'll lighten up a little bit, okay? But Colossians 1 verse 13 says that he, God, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Matthew 4:13 down to 17. Now, in Matthew 4 actually, Jesus has just come out of his his 40 days of fasting in the wilderness uh, where he was tempted of the devil, and now we read in verse 13. It says that when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. Light has dawned. And it goes on in verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What a fantastic scripture. I love the scripture. I love the imagery that it portrays. There are these people living in this, in this place of darkness, and it describes this, how this light has risen. And I can almost imagine this, this beautiful sunrise over, over the sea. But of course, it's not talking about that, because this is Israel after all, and Israel is known for its sunshine. This isn't 
England, sorry guys, or Wales, or the Shetland Islands, you know, this is Israel, the sun shines every day, the people weren't in a, in a physical darkness, it was a spiritual darkness, and it says that these guys that are living, these Gentiles living in this in the spiritual darkness, it says, a light has dawned, uh, that would be for everybody who would believe, who he would hear and believe, a light would come on to replace that darkness. We look back at Colossians 1.30, he says that he delivered us from the dominion or the power of darkness. The Bible never said that he delivered us from darkness into the kingdom of the Son of his love. When God delivers us from darkness, it'll be the day we go home to be with him. Because there is still an enemy on this earth. There is still a spiritual darkness on this earth. But God delivers us from the power, from the dominion, from the control of that darkness the minute you said jesus forgive me you were delivered you were translated from from that power to the kingdom of of god and now we live a life we live a life to 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 allow that that the kingdom to to be developed in the light of the kingdom to be developed in us to to expel all those those old thought patterns those old behaviors and ways of living I love what the word said. It says that the path of the righteous is like the morning sun rising ever brighter unto the perfect day. Revelation is, is progressive. The light that dawns is progressive. You see, Jesus opened that prison door instantly. The moment that you got saved, that prison door was, that instant, that prison door was, was legally opened. You are no longer under the control and the dominion of the power of darkness. But experientially, to experience that freedom is, is now a journey. This is where the journey begins. And it's a journey with him leading us on the way. He has made the way already. Words aligned from one of the songs that we, we sing from time to time. What does it say? It says, come out of the darkness and step into the light. Come out of the darkness, step into the light. You see, he has made the way. That prison door is open. Legally, that prison door is open. But we have got to experience that freedom for ourselves. We've got to step out of that prison door. You are loved. You are accepted. You are even his workmanship. But you've got to step out of that prison that is now open. In the last place, in our last house, we had a, um, a greenhouse. And um, one of the, the, the downsides of that greenhouse was that whenever we left the door open, bumblebees would seem to find their way inside there. They'd get in all right, but they had problems getting out. For one reason or another that I don't know, they would get trapped in there, even though the door was open. They'd be bumping into that glass ceiling, bumping into that glass wall and we would forever be spending time with our little net trying to fish the bumblebees out. The door was open but they were unaware for some reason, they were ignorant to the fact that that door was open and they couldn't get free. Legally, we have been set free from the power of darkness, the moment that we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. That moment we were legally set free, but experientially, we've got to find that door. We've got to get out of that prison, and it's a process. In the Gospels, we see Jesus 
uh, describe himself as the good shepherd. And in fact, David in the Psalms, 23rd Psalm, says that the shepherd, is, he restores my soul. And that is what God is all about. That is what Jesus is about. He is about building you, his beloved. Building you, restoring you as the good shepherd. And you know what I love about the fact that he is the good shepherd. The shepherd leads his sheep. The shepherd encourages and leads. Praise God. He didn't say, I'm the good cowboy. With, with a whip and gunshots and yee-haw and, and chasing and driving the, the, the sheep and putting pressure on and driving them out. No, no, that is not the way of God. If anybody is putting pressure on you and driving you and forcing you, beware, beware. The Spirit of God never drives. The Spirit of God leads. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. He is the good shepherd. He leads you out. He leads you into, into safe pastures and he delivers us from the power of darkness but it is a journey and there is no going back we're not going back to that old frank sinatra i did it my way song again we're not singing that song again we tried it before and that didn't work too well we're not going back there we're gonna do it god's way when i was thinking about this i thought you know the, the, I was thinking about bumblebee, and, and I was thinking that the, the fruit of ignorance is, is uncertainty. It's, it's, it's apprehension, it's distrust, it's fear. Like, like that bumblebee caught in, in, in the greenhouse that, that just gets panicked, and it just tries bouncing off windows, just trying to get out of there. It doesn't get understanding, it's just a bumblebee. But, but you are not a bumblebee, you and I are not bumblebees. The Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. Matthew 4 says, the light has dawned. The light had dawned on these people living in this place of spiritual darkness. But then the very next thing it says, then from that time, in verse 17, Jesus began to preach. And what did he say? He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Change direction. Change the way that you were doing life before. Now you were going in that way. Now you come my way. Come God's way. You know, Zechariah 9, 12 says that it's God's desire that we should be prisoners. Prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope. Not prisoners of despair. Not prisoners of darkness. Prisoners of hope. God has a plan and a purpose for you. You know, I don't know what's coming against you today. But be assured of this, that, that those that are for you are more than those that are against you. And, and Hebrews 12 tells us that, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and it encourages us to run our race with endurance. But we don't run looking to the cloud of witnesses. Praise God, we have a cloud of witnesses. We have them cheering us on from the grandstands and from the church and from the pews. Your brothers and sisters cheering you on. More of those that are for you than those that are against you. But child of God, we look unto Jesus. Get encouragement from your brothers and sisters. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said. But only as far as we follow Christ. Other than that, we get our eyes off man and look unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. God became a man. Emmanuel, God with us. And when we look at the life of Jesus, 
And we see the way that he lived the life. He only did what the Father told him to do. He only said what the Father told him to do. And he didn't just start this at the age of, of 30 when he began his ministry, but he began this as a child. And we see him at the age of 12 in Luke's Gospel, Luke 2, 46 and 47. And you can read it for yourself later. And I'll just paraphrase for now. But you, you probably know the story. And if you don't, Jesus' parents had, had been up to Jerusalem to a festival. And they had left and, and were returning home when they realized that Jesus wasn't with them. So they had to go back up to Jerusalem. And they're searching for Jesus. And after three days, actually I will read it. It says, verse 46. So now it was after three days they found him in the temple. Sitting in the midst of the teachers. Both listening to them listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished as understanding and answers. Isn't this amazing that even Jesus, God in the flesh, had to learn, he had to grow, he had to listen, he had to be teachable, he had to listen and hear from the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he grew, the Bible says in verse 52, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Emmanuel. God with us, he learnt, he grew. Listen, in all, under, in all you're getting, get understanding. Don't be like the bumblebee that just flies into that window, that can't get out the open door. Get understanding. Romans 8.29 says that, that God has predestined us, according to his foreknowledge, to, to be conformed, to be conformed to the image of Jesus, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Do you know that word conformed means to bring into harmony, to be of one accord. The, the word con, is the, the Latin word is, is with or, or thoroughly, thoroughly formed, one with Jesus. The Greek word is all. Come on, Pastor Andy, been teaching, preaching, all in. We're all in, all like Jesus. We are to be conformed. We are to be coming, becoming like Jesus, church. Oh, you know what? I remember my pastor back in the day always to say, God, God is not so interested in, in what you accomplish for him, but who you are becoming. What are you becoming? Who are you becoming? That is what matters to God because church, that is what we're called to do, to become like Jesus. So now he has given us his word. He's given us his spirit. He tells us everything that we need to know about him. And he tells us how we are to live in order to become like him. But he himself is that chief cornerstone. He is the blueprint, isn't he? You know, I remember back in the day, my mom used to make my sister's dresses. She would buy the, 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 the material and she'd lay it out on the, on the dining room table. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and um, she, would, she would get her pattern and she'd put a pattern on it. And then she would cut it out and she'd start sewing. Well, well, that's what Jesus is. He's the pattern. He is the one that we are meant to be building our lives on so that is the pattern we're meant to be following not 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 looking to our spouses or or to the people in the pews next to us but building our lives on on that blueprint that is jesus being conformed to his image in another place the bible says that we are to be transformed by the renewal of our mind transformed like like that uh, caterpillar that becomes a butterfly metamorphosized changed and transformed by the renewing of our mind as we get that understanding and it sinks into our hearts as we live it out 
Another place, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, it says that we beholding him as in a mirror, as beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You know what? What you behold is what you become. What you give your attention to is what is going to change you and transform you for the good or the bad. See, before I got saved, <clears throat> I didn't have too many choices. I had sowed so many destructive thoughts that I had developed just a, a self-destructive uh, way of living, a behavior and patterns. I didn't have a choice. But church, that was then. That was then. This is now. The prison door is open. And Jesus has brought his light into that prison door. And he has shown me that door is open. And so is yours. But the truth is, we have to walk out. Jesus didn't drag me out of that prison door. But instead, he gave me his promises. And he encouraged me. Now, it's not a matter of, of living life. Uh, trying harder or a life, a life of self-effort, but it's a life of, of doing, doing it His way. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. One second. Thank you. So unless, we, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Now there are some key principles that God has placed in the earth. And whether we like them or don't like them, whether we know them or are, or are oblivious to them, they still work. And I think one of those, those key principles that God has placed in the earth is the principle of, of seed time and harvest. We need to be so aware of the power of seed. The seed. We're, we're, typically, the seed is, is, is the thought. Most things start and begin with a thought. And we need to be so aware of the power of the seed and to know that there is a principle of seed, time and harvest. You know, in, in our old place at Chichester where we lived, not only did we have a greenhouse, but we also had a farmer over the canal who had a, who had a field there. And um, every year, or every from time to time at least, um, he would change the crop, he would rotate the crop. Some, some years it would be barley, other years it would be wheat. But the process that he followed seemed to be the same. He seemed to follow the same pattern from what I could observe. Now, I'm not much of a farmer, but I could tell that in the springtime he was out there, and I presume that he was there sowing. He was, he was plowing up the field and, and sowing his seed into the field. And then later in the year, around, the, around harvest time, around autumn, he'd be out there again. And come on, he had to be harvesting it. So the principle and the process was there. But all that differed was that every year or every now and again, he would change the seed. If you want to reap a different harvest, all you need to do is change the seed. Change the seed. You see, the, the principle that we were living by before still works now. Nothing's changed. You just didn't know that it was a principle. But, pardon me, when we were thinking those, 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 those energy sapping life-sapping thoughts, those, those negative thoughts that just sucked all the life and the hope out of us, that were, were causing us to, to be people of, of darkness and despair rather than people of hope. Well, when we swap those thoughts and we take God's thoughts and we, and we meditate on the fact and spend time thinking on the fact that, that God loves you, that 
that God knows your name. He, he knows what you're going through right now. He's with you right now. In the midst of the darkest time, He's with you. And He will see you through. And when you, when you replace those thoughts, and you, you, you spend time thinking on that, hope will come. Hope will come. And you will walk free from that prison again. And again, no matter how often the darkness wants to try and overwhelm you, you will walk free. You are free. And if you will just do it God's way, just get his word, get understanding from the word of God. God has provided that good seed, that vision, that hope for the future. It's, it's what he has provided for you. You know what? Where, what? <laughs> try it again. Where he gives the vision, where he gives the, 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 the plan and the purpose, he also provides the means, the means to accomplish it. That too will typically be in the form of seed. Pastor Steve often says to us, he said, Chris, the gift is in the house. The gift is in the house. You've just got to uncover it and nurture it and grow it because it's normally there is a seed. And you think of Moses, prime example. When God appears to Moses and he says, Moses, you're going to deliver my people from, from this tyranny and from the slavery of Egypt. And you're going to take them into the promised land. And Moses argues with him a little bit. And he says, but God, I, I'm not eloquent in speech. Who am I? I can't go before thee." And God says to him, okay, what's that in your hand, Moses? And he said, it's my rod. And he says, throw it on the ground. And he throws it on the ground and it, and it becomes a writhing snake. And, and then he picks it up and it becomes a rod again. And, and you know the story of, of the deliverance of the children of Israel, how Moses would use that rod and God would say to him, now stretch forth your rod and touch the Red Sea. And the Red Sea parted. God used what was in his hand. And then in the wilderness when they had no water and God told him, now strike that rock and water will come out. And Moses struck the rock. But this is where the rub comes. This is where the problem comes. You see... The Bible tells us that that rock that followed them, followed them was, was a type and a shadow. It was a spiritual, it had spiritual significance. It was a type of Christ. And Moses was to strike the rock. And the, 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 the instruction was, strike the rock, Moses. And Moses struck the rock. But he didn't wait long, long enough, so he struck it again. And God said, Moses, what have you done? That's not what I commanded you. You've just destroyed my shadow and type. You've destroyed the picture I'm trying to, to build for your people to, to provide faith for them so they can trust me and believe me and know what's to come. And, and so as a result of that, the result of that one act, Moses never entered into the promised land. God never apologized for it either. God just said, because of this, you're not coming in. Does that mean God stopped loving Moses or caring for him? Never. God, God defended Moses till the very end. God loved Moses. But he wasn't able to enter in to, to the good thing that God had for him because he stopped doing it God's way. He got a better idea along the way. Now, praise God, you and I aren't Moses. There's not such high value on the things that you and I do, but they, they do matter. And how we live our lives does matter. There, there is a lot at stake. There's people on the other side of our obedience. And we need to be doing life God's way. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a program on TV that we, that we watch. It's called Bless This Mess. And it's hilarious. It's a bit of a, well, maybe not for the kids so much. But it's hilarious. Bless This Mess. And, and that's funny as a comedy program. But that is not the way that we want to live our lives. You know what? We don't go and make our own plans and say, God, 
Come now, bless our plans. You come bless our mess, God. Because that's really what Moses did. And that's what Abraham did when he had Ishmael. And that's what you and I are tempted to do so often when we go back and sing that old Frankie, I did it my way tune. But that is not how we are to live. That is not how we're going to finish strong. If we are going to finish strong, remember, we have got to build it right in the first place. And the only way to do that is to follow God's plan, to look to Jesus, to build our lives modeled on Jesus. You know, how do we do that? We, we seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So often we, we drop that part. Seek first the kingdom of God. Yes, but and his righteousness, his right way of living and doing and being. Seek first the kingdom of God and seek how to live right. Do it well. Live your life well. Romans 8 tells us, don't be carnally minded. It says, be spiritually minded. It says, if you're carnally minded, you're going to be given to the things of the flesh, the things of this life that have no value and no significance. And in fact, it says that those things lead to death. To be carnally minded is death. But, but it says, to spiritually minded is life and peace. See, the, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And we want to be spiritually minded. Get that good seed into our minds. Be putting the things of God and the ways of God first and foremost in our minds. Be putting God's kingdom above our own needs. Moses, loved by God, but never entered into the fullness of what God had planned for him. Why? Bless my mess, Lord. Bless my mess. You and I, we're not going to do that. If we've done it in the past, and we all have, we're going to stop. We're going to make a quality decision. It's not from trying hard, but make quality decision that you are going to live life God's way, that you are going to get understanding from His Word, from the Holy Spirit, to live life His way, seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness and His way of doing things. I'm going to come into a, into a landing now. And... Um, but I want to stop with this um, it's from Psalm 65, verse 9 and 10. And I'm going to read it from the ESV. It puts it quite nicely. Psalm 65, verses 9 and 10. It says, You, talking to God, you provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. In other words, this is God's process. This is God's principles. It says, You water its furrows abundantly, Settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. Now, this is obviously talking about farming. It's talking about how God provides for, the, for us naturally. He sustains us naturally. But I believe there's a, a deeper significance to this as well. And I believe that this is the way that, that God works in our lives as well. You've heard the saying that, 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 the, that the truth hurts, the truth cuts. And I believe that, that the, the power of God's word can also, and the truth of God's word, can also cut us like a knife. It can cut our hearts like a knife. But, but, but in the sense that it is the, the knife, of, of, or the scalpel rather, of a skilled surgeon that brings healing. And, and where I see these, these, these ridges and these furrows, I'd see, I see the, the, this, 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 this cut in the heart by the skilled surgeon though. But it's like the, the, the plow that's being pulled through the field and it leaves a furrow on both sides. There's an open wound. 
but it opens us up as it gets us past that fallow ground. It breaks up that fallow ground, gets on the inside of us where God's good seed can get down inside of us. And then what does he do? He settles its ridges. He softens it with showers and blesses its growth. This is what the Lord does in our life. This is his process. This is his, his goodness, his loving kindness and his tender mercies that, that, that he showers upon you, that brings healing so that there isn't even any scar tissue left. No more scar tissue, not from Corona, not from anything else. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus and he brings that healing and he brings that softening. And he blesses the growth of that seed that he has planted there. But the thing is, the seed has to do the growing. He blesses its growth, but the seed itself has to do the growing. So let's not be like that bumblebee that doesn't have understanding, that, that, that resists the, 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 the attempts to try and get it out of the the, the, the greenhouse because it's afraid, because it's, it is fearful and self-defensive, because it's, it's ignorant to the fact that it has been set free. Let, let's know that God has made us free, but we need to walk out. We need to get his understanding. We need to live life his way. How we finish this life matters. We are going to finish strong. We are going to build well. I'm out of time, so we're just going to have to stop it there, I'm afraid. But listen, I hope, I hope this has um, encouraged you in some way, shape or form. And um, just keep living for Jesus. Just keep modeling your life on Jesus. It's not about what we accomplish in life. It's who we are becoming. Become more like Jesus today. Choose to become more like Jesus today. God bless you. Have a good week. And we'll catch